All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Everyone, welcome in. It's a Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022 edition of the Daily Faceoff show. He is former Vancouver Canucks Assistant General Manager and Chief Legal Officer Chris Gear. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. The sun is absolutely beaming today in Vancouver, so what could be better than that? Love it. Uh, We're getting closer and closer to spring, closer and closer to playoff hockey. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's drop the puck today with some sobering news this morning and definitely some sad news. The Toronto Maple Leafs announcing that their prospect and first round pick from 2020, Rodian Amirov, has been diagnosed with a brain tumor. Sportsnet later revealing that the tumor is indeed malignant and that Amirov is undergoing chemotherapy at the moment. You can take a look at this statement from the Toronto Maple Leafs general manager, Kyle Dubas, who said, I regret to inform our fans that Rodian Amirov has been diagnosed with a brain tumor. Rodian commenced the 21-22 season with UFA of the KHL, but suffered an injury to open the season. During the course of his recovery from this injury, he developed new unrelated symptoms that required ongoing extensive investigations over the last few months. Rodian is currently undergoing treatment at a medical facility in Germany and will not return to play for the remainder of the season. Our medical staff has been involved throughout the process alongside UFAs, and we are in direct contact with the facility on an ongoing basis to monitor his treatment and care. Rodian has the complete support of the Toronto Maple Leafs organization, and we will continue to ensure he receives the best care possible throughout this process. 
Out of respect for Rodian and his family, the club will not have further comment at this time. So, Chris, uh, when you look at that and you also see a statement from his agent in Dan Milstein, um, you know, just saying and thanking the Toronto Maple Leafs for their support. How does this impact an organization when you have a draft pick, let alone a prospect of his magnitude? He touches seemingly every department of the organization from the development staff to the scouting staff who were heavily invested in his selection to also management. This is a guy that obviously you park the hockey side of it for a bit and just think about his his personal status moving forward and his health. But management was counting on him as one of their top prospects in the pipeline as well. Yeah. I mean, off the top, you, you mentioned it, that, you know, this is a human story first and it's really sad. It's a 20 year old kid that's going to go through the fight of his life. Uh, I really like the statement that, that he put out through Dan Milstein, which is that, you know, he wants this to represent hope for, for all sorts of people dealing with, with severe illnesses. Um, you know, he's, he's going to fight. And, and I think, you know, hopefully, uh, he can come through it okay. From an organizational perspective, it you know it reminds me a little bit of the Luke Bourdon situation. It happened before I was in Vancouver. You know, obviously that had the worst consequences, which we hope aren't the case for uh, Bramarov. But it really does reverberate through, and it was felt for years after. Um, like I said, I wasn't there when when Bourdon uh, passed away, but you know, years later, you could still feel the reverberations and how the scouts felt and people that he had touched along the way, guys like Alex Burrows. So really, really unfortunate. And ho hopefully Amarov can come through this. Yeah. So Amirov is the third player with NHL ties in the last number of years to be diagnosed with cancer. Brian Boyle, of course, now with the Pittsburgh Penguins, who's resumed his career after a battle with leukemia, as well as Oscar Lindblom, who's back on the ice after a battle with Ewing sarcoma, a rare form of bone cancer. So we wish Amirov the best. And if you want to contact and send your best wishes to Amirov, you can find an email address. It's Amirov at goldstarhockey.com. His agent, Dan Milstein, putting out out a tweet today. I'm sure Leafs Nation will have uh, uh, Amirov and all of the hockey world will have Amirov in, in our thoughts and prayers. As we move forward, let's turn our attention to the ice, Chris, and talk about the playoff chase in the Western Conference for that second and final wildcard spot because it's heated up a bit in the last number of days, partly due to the Nashville Predators stumbling a little bit. You see them in the fifth spot here. A 608 winning percentage, still uh, points percentage, still kind of creating some distance between themselves and the Dallas Stars. But the Stars and Jets play each other tonight. The Preds get back in the win column last night after four straight losses. When you look at these three teams, it certainly feels like that's who the battle is going to come down to for that final wildcard spot. Which one of those teams are you least concerned about? And frankly, which one of those teams are you most concerned about? Yeah, I think it's going to be a battle all the way. Uh, I think I'm least concerned about Nashville. I think uh, they've been the most consistent throughout the year. You know, they have solid goaltending in Saros. They've got a great leader in Yossi, uh, Philip Forsberg. You know, I, I think they've managed to be pretty steady throughout the year despite the recent slide. And, and getting back on the right footing against Florida last night was a big win. Um you know, Mike McKenna talked in a story yesterday about Dallas and how they've got big decisions to make with Pavelski and Klingberg. So they kind of worry me because if they do make the decisions I, I think they need to make, which is to to move on from those guys, um, you know, I, I think that's going to really hurt their team down the stretch. And I think maybe they, they fall out of the race a little bit, although it is probably the best long-term solution 
uh, for the organization. And then quickly with respect to the Jets, you know, that core of Shifley and Connor and Wheeler and uh, Ehlers, I mean, they've been together a long time. And I wonder whether they might just need a little shakeup, maybe just a little a little move to change uh, the fortunes of, of that core group because they're excellent players, but, you know, for some reason it's just not coming together for them on a consistent basis and, and they've gone through big slides this year. So um, I look for them to maybe spice things up here at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, it's confounding the, the season that the Jets have had this year for the reasons you mentioned. I, I mean, I picked this team to win the Stanley Cup, thought they'd be a true contender through and through with the changes that they made to their defense, with the core that they have that's talented. I wanted to bring you back quickly to the Dallas Stars, and you mentioned the moves that you think they need to make. Now, is there any sort of half measure that works for the Stars as when it comes to the deadline in the sense that Maybe you keep some of these guys, keep a Pavelski and trade a Klingberg. That might make sense in order to kind of keep your team in it and also still have an eye towards the future. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point, Frank. I mean, Klingberg's expressed interest in leaving the Stars, so I think you do have to make that move. Uh, Pavelski, Pavelski's been a great fit on their first line with, with a couple of young guys. So if if he'll resign and and sign for lesser dollars then i think that probably is something they should consider but you know ultimately i think even losing klingberg is going to be a, a big blow unless they can replace him with you know a, a player that's ready to step into their lineup rather than a pick or a prospect so we'll see how that plays out but i, I do see dallas maybe taking a little step back here mm -hmm. speaking of dollars chris you wrote a great story today on dailyfaceoff.com Diving into the third-party brokers and how big a part they may play in this deadline in making the money move. Just in simple terms, can you explain to us why this is so critical when you have so many teams operating near the top of the salary cap without really much wiggle room and how big a part they'll play in this deadline in making deals happen? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you've got so many teams that are either at the cap or they're already beyond the cap and using their LTIR cushion, you need something to try and help if you want to acquire a player that has a cap hit of any of any size. So, you know, what happened last year was a perfect example of how this can play out. So Tampa Bay, which obviously uh, didn't have much cap space, they go and acquire David Savard. Uh, from Columbus, they ship two picks off to Columbus who retains half of Savard's contract, uh, but he goes through Detroit who retains half of what's left. So effectively, Tampa Bay gets Savard for 25% of his cap hit and Detroit uh, really just acts as that middleman that takes a million of cap space and uh, you know 260 grand in cash and they just move the player from Columbus through Detroit onto Tampa for, for no risk. Um, so it really creates a scenario where these teams with cap space and a willingness to spend real cash dollars can effectively broker themselves into buying draft capital. And I thought it was a really effective strategy, uh, really smart on all three teams. And I think we're going to see more of that this year. So when you look at a team like Detroit, who pays $260,000 in cash, essentially for a fourth round pick, and there's been other recent examples you pointed out in your story, the Carolina Hurricanes, essentially purchasing a first round pick from the Toronto Maple Leafs in 2020, uh, six and a quarter million dollars in cap space came out to $2.8 million in real cash. They end up getting a first round pick in order to make that transaction work. It turns into Seth Jarvis at 13th overall, 
who's been an unbelievable player this year, uh, half a point per game player already, barely 17 months after the draft. <laughs> Our front offices, Chris, looking at the market and constantly evaluating what the cost is and, and how much can that market change? Like, is there a, a, a draft pick value chart when it comes to real cash? Yeah, I don't think it's an exact science, but you certainly look at those comparables the same way you would look at contract comparables when you're looking at what to pay a guy. So you look at, okay, so Toronto is willing to give up, up a first to save themselves 6.25 in cap. And at the other end of the spectrum, you say, okay, um, Detroit was willing to eat you know, 1.06 worth of cap space to get a fourth round pick. So if you kind of put those at, at each end of the spectrum, then you can sort of say, well, two to two and a half is the value of a third round pick and four to four and a half is the approximate value of a second round pick. Again, not an exact science, but I think teams need to analyze who's doing what in the market and assign a value to it based on what other teams are doing. And then when you're having those conversations with GM, you have a frame of reference to discuss the parameters of your deal where you might be wanting to take on some money. So the goalposts are set and the Arizona Coyotes have already expressed interest as one of those teams that's interested in being a broker at the deadline this year to make the money work. No surprise for a team that's stockpiling draft capital. But who are some of the other teams that you think could be major players at the deadline in terms of acting as third-party brokers? Well, certainly Buffalo, Detroit, um, you know, Ottawa's got a lot of cap space if they choose to, to spend the money. Um, you know, Seattle's another one I pointed to in my my article because Seattle doesn't have a lot of prospects, right? They're, they're a brand new team. They only had a limited number of picks to start with. And so they need to start building up their depth in terms of their, their farm system. And so they've got cap space. If they were able to move somebody like Giordano, they add another whack of cap space. And they could be a team that, that facilitates um, moving some higher end players by acting as a broker, taking on a piece of the cap. Uh, and acquiring more draft capital, which which they need going forward. So there's a, there's a number of teams that could do it, um, and I just think Seattle's maybe one that that needs to do that a little more than the others. You know, teams like Buffalo and Arizona, they're already flush with draft picks, but Seattle needs some more. Yeah, Anaheim, Nashville, and of course the New York Rangers squarely in the hunt for the playoffs and could well use that cap space to acquire players. How much buy-in is required from your owner in this case in order to make a transaction like this happening, spending money? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's always a consideration, right? Especially in these years where owners have suffered huge revenue losses due to the pandemic. To ask an owner to, to shell out money for a player that's never even going to arrive in your city, you know, it's, it's not easy, but um, you know, it does provide long-term value in terms of the, the draft capital. So, uh, you know, hopefully if, if the organization is forward thinking, they can um, convince the owner that that's a worthwhile investment, but yeah, it's not, um, it's not something owners want to do generally, just uh, as a matter of course. It's going to be interesting too, Chris, to see the number of teams that get involved in the brokering game because all of a sudden, if you're a team that's trying to move a player, you're going to send him. It's just like you're shopping for a mortgage or something. You're going to send him wherever you can get the best price yeah. or the best rate. So if there's some competition there, maybe there's a little bit of fluctuation in terms of the prices, what certain teams are willing to do to be involved in the game, what they're getting back, what they're asking for back as well. It's going to be really interesting to watch another kind of sub layer 
that makes this deadline so interesting. So head to dailyfaceoff.com for Chris's story that breaks all of that down. Let's get to another edition of the All 32 with Brent Wallace. Let's talk a little sense. Pleased to welcome to the Daily Faceoff show, Brent Wallace, who has his podcast going, The Wally and Mathot Show. You can see it over his left shoulder there. My former teammate, great to see Brent uh, and listen to his show. Uh, him and Wally do a great job talking all things Ottawa and the Sens. And so, Wally, want to start here. Um, you, you think about the Sens as they get closer to the deadline. And what stands out to you as their number one, a number one priority? You heard uh, Pierre Dorian mention that, you know, not sure how much they want to be involved in the sellers game. But when you look at it, it seems like Nick Paul's the guy that really stands out. Staying or going? Yeah, good question, Frank. And good to see both you and Chris. Uh, when it comes to Nick Paul, I, I, obviously it's the biggest question. I, he, you know, Pierre Dorian has talked a lot about Nick Paul does everything. He's a disciple. He's what, exactly what we want. We move him anywhere in the lineup. Are they going to pay him? And he's a UFA. Are they going to give him roughly maybe $3 million a year? I don't know, but I don't know if they've got anybody in the lineup right now or on their, I guess, their roster that could fill that spot. He does a lot of things. He's very valuable to this team. He's the longest serving senator at the moment. If they can find somebody to fill his spot in the in their organization, then fine. But I'm not sure they can. I'd like to see them keep Nick Paul. I can understand if they move on based on the dollar amount. Brett, we know uh, Frank referenced the Pierre Dorian quote about how they want to see this as the last year where they might have to be a seller. We know Ottawa's got a great young core, uh, Kachuk, Batherson, Norris, Shabbat. What do they need to do in order to take that next step so that next year they're actually a competitive team and, and on the cusp of, of getting into the playoffs versus another season where they're looking to be sellers? Yeah, good question. It's going to start, obviously, on the blue line. They just don't have a very physical blue line. They've got talent coming and Jake Sanderson and possibly Tyler Clevin, Jacob Bernard-Docker, but they don't have, as I used to use my partner here on the show a lot, they don't have a Mark Mathot. They don't have a guy that's going to go out and thump people around and make you think about coming down the left side, which they used to always have. That's a big issue for Ottawa. They just are, they're soft on the back end. They're also uh, questionable in goal. All right. Matt Murray hasn't been very good. He's played better of late, but he certainly hasn't been what they were expecting when they signed him. And now they have a question about Anton Forsberg. And now as the trade deadline approaches, he's an RFA. And so he has the most wins. He's got 11 of their 19 wins. Do they try to sign Anton Forsberg? Or because they've got Philip Gustafson next year in a one-way deal, are they going to have to go with Matt Murray and Philip Gustafson and let Anton Forsberg go? go? That's a big question mark. They need better goaltending. They need someone on the back end. And they need a top six forward. So really, they don't need much. <laughs> well, Brent, Pierre Dorian did say a couple weeks ago that another one of his goals for the deadline is to try and get this roster as reasonably set as possible for next year. He felt like some of the turnover maybe contributed to the team's tough start this year. What would you like to see from this group, not in terms of acquisitions or setting the roster, but what needs to happen in order to get this team in that competitive spot? Because you look at um, you know, just the way the season has unfolded these last six weeks, it feels like they're kind of turning the corner. But, you know, every time you say that they win two, there's a two or three game losing skid. And that's just the nature yep. of where the Sens are at at the moment. But what what needs to change? What do you need to see? And Frank, it's interesting you talk about that start when they had a pretty healthy lineup minus Shane Pinto and Colin White. Now at the end, 
when they're actually playing 500 hockey, they're without Drake Batherson and Josh Norris, two of their top players, and they didn't have Thomas Shabbat for four games. And then over a 13-game stretch, they were 500 hockey. So I'm not sure you can use those injuries at the beginning, and even Matt Murray was out at the beginning, as ex- excuses. I think they've got a pretty good core, but they need, they're going to get Colin White back here shortly, probably within the next week or so. Drake Batherson is scheduled to return within a month. Uh, Josh Norris is skating, but I don't know how close he is. They need to see those guys and where they all fit in, but they still have a void as a top six forward, as I mentioned. And I don't know what they're going to do with Eric Brandstrom on the back end. I don't know that they keep him because I don't know if they have a spot for him. And so are they going to see Jake Sanderson come into this lineup this year and play and see where he fits in? And is, and is uh, Eric Brandstrom either go down to the AHL or is he going to get moved? Yeah, I'd love to see Jake Sanderson get in the lineup. A tough Olympics for him, uh, COVID, and then the injury that he sustained right as soon as he got to Beijing. Uh, quickly on Matt Murray, uh, his play has turned around of late, um, obviously dealing with uh, some personal stuff again. Uh, just on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your confidence level in Murray? Oh, man, Frank, that, that's the million-dollar question because he can look really good and he can look really pedestrian very quickly. And he hasn't had a stretch here this year for the most part where he's been consistently in the lineup for a really long time. He's had concussion, COVID, and had a personal issue. He also, uh, his wife just had their second child here, and that's why he missed the last start. There's always seems to be something that keeps him out of the lineup. There just isn't the consistency. I don't know that they're going to get that from him anytime soon. I'd like to see him down the stretch, put it all together. But that's a huge question mark. And we just haven't seen it in the first two seasons that Matt Murray's been an Ottawa senator. Yeah, it's not the $1 million question. I think it's the $6.25 million question for the Sens. And definitely their cap moving forward with Matt Murray. It impacts what they do with Forsberg and others when it comes to the deadline. He is Brent Wallace from the Wally and Mathot Show. Great to have you. This has been another edition of the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo codes at the bottom of your screen. D-F-O-D-D if you're in Canada. D-F-O-D-D if U.S. if you're in the United States. That gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. Thanks, Wally. Thanks, Brent. All right, it's time for our daily face-off show inbox question of the day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. We'd be happy to take your questions. And Chris, this one was too juicy not to ask. Mm -hmm. You saw the news today. The ECHL's Orlando Solar Bears signing 41-year-old Sean Avery to a standard player contract. He hasn't played organized hockey in exactly 10 seasons. And he said afterwards that he threw his skates into the Hudson River hanging them up. Instead of just hanging them up, he threw them into the river. He's been involved in all sorts of stuff, chirping players uh, through his wildly entertaining social media reviews. He starred in a movie. Chris, if you see, to see Sean Avery on the ice and get back in the pro game, are you into it or are you yawning? I I can't say that I'm into it. I think, you know, this is, uh, this has to be at least in part a publicity stunt for Avery. you know, 10 years away from the game. I think it said somewhere that he skated six times in that 10 years. Um, and, and, you know, the game has changed a lot. The, the pace of the game is so quick now uh, to expect him at, you know, almost 42 years old to step back and, and make a real legitimate comeback. Um, I, I look at the words he, he said where you know, he said, I want to play for Tampa Bay because they're the best team 
the the taxes are the lowest and I can wear my MAGA hat around. Right. Like, so he's, he's setting up for something. Maybe he's going to make a political run, but uh, I, I just can't imagine this is a, a real legitimate NHL comeback tour. Yeah. And I think I saw a tweet from the solar bears themselves. I'd have to double check. It just said your move, Matt Barnaby. There's been lots of chirping going on. Get these two guys on the ice. They'll square off. Uh, Good for ticket sales. I don't think that there's actually a legitimate comeback at stake for Sean Avery, but I got to say, I'm actually like, I would watch. I'm kind of entertained. Um, I think he's way offside in so many regards. And obviously someone uh, throughout the NHL that was not very well respected or received at times, but the entertainment value has always been there with Sean Avery. That part is undeniable. So I'm here for it. I would tune in and watch. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Well, let's so. not forget Avery was was actually a pretty good player at one point in his career, but it just got overshadowed by all the antics. But you know, at this point, we live in a world of likes and clicks and everything else, and I have to think it's got more to do with that at this point. Hey, I'm okay with that at this point. Like, make it make it a little spicy in the ECHL. Um, let's bring in Tyler Yemchuk for our daily faceoff show daily bet segment. Tyler, how'd you do last night? Yeah, speaking of uh, making it spicy, thanks for bringing me into the show with that, Frank. Uh, one and one yesterday, but the Blues were plus money, so we finished up 0.2 units. Money is money, though, so we'll look to build on that today. A couple of plays courtesy of our friends over at PointsBet. First game, that top matchup, Buffalo and Montreal. The only way to enjoy watching these two teams square off is to put some money on it, and I am taking the over in this one, paying minus 121. The over is 5-1-1 one one in the Sabres' seven games so far in the month of February. For the Cavs, it hasn't been as good. It's just 4-3. and three. Still, been hitting more than not. And also, these two teams met just a couple of weeks ago, and the score was 5-3, to three, so they hit the over there. The Sabres office has been getting going. I think they can score against Montreal. I think we're in for a high scoring one between these two. So I'm taking the over. And also my player prop, I'm sticking with this matchup. I'm going with an Alex Tuck assist at plus 105. This guy has six assists in his last five games. This number is hit in four of his last five as well. And I looked around at a few other books. Not very many are offering this at plus money like our friends at points, but are plus 105 on Tuck to pick up an assist. I love it. That top line for the Sabres with Thompson, Skinner, and Tuck has 11 goals combined in their last five games. They've been on fire. It's a good matchup tonight against the Canadians. Tuck assist over in the game. Those are my two plays, Frank. That is a lot of eyeballs on the Buffalo Sabres tonight against Montreal. I, you know, I got to tell you, seeing that Tage Thompson plus 145, what Tuck has done for Thompson since he arrived in Buffalo has totally changed the course of not just Tage Thompson's season. I wonder how much his career as well. Uh, it's been fascinating to watch. So we'll keep an eye on that. Plus 145, Tyler. I don't know. I might have to venture over to points bet and, and lay a few bucks on that. That is uh, certainly interesting. Tage Thompson has been on fire. Thank you for that. It is now time for garbage time. My favorite segment of the show, Chris, you want to salute a longtime NHL defenseman. Big Z Zdeno Chara. He played his 1,652nd game last night, surpassing Chris Chelios for most all-time games by a defenseman. Um, you know, this guy is a unit, right? I mean, he's just, he, his, his off-season conditioning regime is the stuff of legend. Uh, he keeps himself in great shape. 44 years old. He played 20 minutes last night. And it's not like he's out there for, you know, eight or nine minutes. And, you know, sure, he's not the Zdeno Chera that we, we came to know in Boston uh, or even Washington for that matter. But, you know, to play 20 minutes at, at 44 years old, 
Um, you know, Chelios was 48, so he still holds that distinction, but I think you just have to tip your hat to Chara. He, he looks like he could play for a few more years. And when then when you think of of him from Slovakia and and Yager playing at 50 years old from Czech Republic, but there's something over in Eastern Europe in the water. It's the fountain of youth. We've got to get there, Frank. Yeah, 1,650 of anything is an insane number. And to see it at the NHL level, the compete, the wear and tear on your body, uh, it's certainly amazing. And to see the reaction today, speaking of Slovakia, for the bronze medal celebration, this was for bronze. And they had an incredible turnout on the streets. Miro Shatan tweeting a photo uh, as Slovakia is still celebrating uh, from their Olympic success. So great to see. Yeah, and we talk all the time about growing the game and and how this Olympics didn't really register, wasn't on our radar over here in the U.S., certainly on the men's side at least, but uh, it certainly mattered over there in Slovakia. So congratulations to them. That'll do it for today's Daily Faceoff show. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the National Hockey League. Thanks to Chris. Thanks to Brent Wallace. We'll be back right here 12 Eastern tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Until then, have a great day, everyone. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Oh. 
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.